With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Well, do not, do not, do not touch that dial. You heard the man. It's time for Fox Sports Sunday as we kick off the day with great exuberance and we are ready. So please put your seat back forward and your tray tables upright because we are now ready for takeoff. My name is Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific. 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my savvy and capable crew, Ricky Herrera, Chris Perfett, and, of course, Bruin Finley on the updates as they man the ship from our Los Angeles compound. We've got a ton on the agenda tonight, including full NFL analysis and some crazy takeaways from Week 2. We've got the Fezzik 5 coming up with Steve Fezzik here in about 17 minutes, and we'll continue to examine the quarterback play And I'll take a closer look at Justin Fields with some stats as he is going to make his debut tomorrow in Cleveland starting for the Chicago Bears. We'll also examine the new wild card format that was announced last week. What a 12-team college football playoff would look like if it existed now. The taunting rule will give you an insight as to how some of the players feel about that and much, much more. We've got a full show. But we start with the subject that will always rear its head after week two of an NFL season. Which two and L team, which two and O teams are pretenders and which O and two teams, well, could they still make the playoffs? And that's where we begin. And look, 
one of the things you do when you when you surmise what may happen in the future based on what's happened on the past is simply look at the data. Because with week two of the NFL uh, in 2021 season on the books, we now know this. Seven teams were 2-0 and going into week three. And on the flip side, seven teams, they've already dug themselves 0-2 holes. Now, the history of each extreme start, I don't know if I call it extreme, but it's let's use that word for purposes of this conversation, it's pretty well documented. Since 2007, nearly 60% of the NFL teams that have opened 2-0, well, they've made the playoffs. During the same 14-year span, nearly 90% of the teams that have fallen to 0-2, they failed to make the playoffs. To go back further, since 1990, 241 teams started out 0-2, but only 33 made the playoffs. That's maybe, what, 12%. Now, last season, when the league expanded to 14 playoff teams, the trends continued. Eight of the 11 teams that started uh, 2-0, 72%, they made the playoffs. All 11 teams last year started 0-2, failed to make the playoffs. Now, two seasons ago, when there were only 12 teams qualifying for the postseason, seven of the nine 2-0 teams made the playoffs, with the Cowboys and Rams being the two outliers that missed. Also in 2019, the last time we had fans, the nine teams that started 0-2 again all missed the playoffs. Now this season is a little different with the 17-game schedule, allowing a little more margin for error for 2-0 teams and a little extra makeup time for the 0-2 teams. But once again, there's some, there are some surprising teams on both sides of the ledger. And before I go into my quick breakdown here of these 2-0 teams and 0-2 teams, this is why this week is so important. Because if you get off to a 3-0 and start, well, since 1980, 180 teams in the NFL have gotten off to a 3-0 and start. 136 have made the playoffs. That is 30, uh, check that, 30, 77%. So if your team goes 3-0, and maybe the Raiders do it. I don't know. We'll talk about it. You can feel pretty good about things because you will have a high probability, it looks like, of making the playoffs. Conversely, conversely, if you go 0-3, this goes back to 1990. Well, I'll tell you what, in the history of the NFL, there have been only five teams in the NFL who started 0-3 and made the playoffs. And when you add up the numbers, it's 3.4%. So 97% of the teams who started out 0-3 didn't make the playoffs. Okay, you want to know which ones did? The 98 Buffalo Bills, the 95 Detroit Lions, the 92 San Diego Chargers, the 1982 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the 1981 New York Jets. You'll notice that none of those teams made it to the Super Bowl. All right, let's mow through this. Tampa Bay is 2-0. Do we really need to explain this one? And Tom Brady looks, you know, he's already beaten Father Time, and he's 2-0 and this year. So starting 7-5 and last year, they've won nine in a row. Yeah, I got, you, you can say they have issues in their secondary. Every NFL team has issues in their secondary. They're going to roll through the NFC South. They are not a pretender. Obviously, they're a big-time contender. The Niners, San Francisco 49ers are 2-0. and Now, they're not getting exactly any style points for how they managed to hold off the Lions, who are 0-2, and the Eagles, who are 1-1. and But look, at the end of the year in the NFL, they don't ask Kyle just how many. 
And and the Niners have enough variety on on, on offense. They're versatile. They got a timely defense. They're contending with injuries again everywhere. I don't know what's in the water there, but they're back on track in 2019 form. Jimmy Garoppolo has a pretty good running game. Nick uh, Bosa is a is a pass rush, a pass pass rush maniac, and uh, you know Kyle Shanahan. Look, he's presiding over a team that's very clearly a contender. The Raiders, okay. The Raiders started 2-0 last season also, remember. But they only finished 8-8, and and they missed the AFC playoffs again behind the Chiefs. So will John Gruden learn from his mistakes and, and see if they can get to at least a wild card berth for, you know, he's not been to the playoffs since his return to the organization. The Ravens win was a gritty, gutty, wild, crazy, amazing win. It was incredible because it was Monday Night Football here. Uh, in the first game ever played in Allegiant Stadium with no fan with with fans. And then they go on the road on a short week and they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. And they showed a tremendous ex- explosive offense during times in that game. And they played very inspired defensively. So give the Raiders credit. Uh, again, Derek Carr played at a very high level. You've heard me last hour. I talked all about the things he did. The Raiders have beaten two of the toughest teams on their slate. And, you know, again, they still got to play the Chiefs. They still got to twice and the Browns twice and the Chargers twice. And that's really what's going to determine whether or not the Raiders, I believe, make the playoffs. How they do in their division, to me, is going to determine that. They can somehow go 4-2 and two in their division. I think they're going to make the playoffs. We're a long way from that. And they're a four-point favorite against Miami tomorrow. I'm not confident the Raiders are going to win tomorrow. I'm not saying they're not going to win, but that's not a game. I'm not, I'm not betting that game, and I would not be surprised if Joby, Jacoby Brissett and Brian Florence – and that Flores and that Miami defense come in here. The Raiders don't have a running game, and so they're going to have to pass Miami silly, and that's going to be a tough task. I will say this. If the Raiders get beat tomorrow, they're going to fall to the pretender category. Denver Broncos, love the Broncos. 2-0. They've looked very impressive. Yes, they played the 0-2 Giants and the 0-2 Jaguars, but they were both on the road. And Teddy Bridgewater, he's completely stabilized their run-heavy offense. He's got just the right dose of making big plays. And this defense is completely re-energized with uh, Von Miller back in the lineup. Vic Fangio, a defensive-minded guy, presided over the Niners defense back in 2012 when they went to the Super Bowl. I think they have a great shot. Denver's got a great shot to get to 3-0 tomorrow. you got the 0-2 Jets with rookie quarterback uh, uh, Zach Wilson coming to town, and they're a 10.5-point underdog. Now, Denver's future schedule is loaded with an AFC West gauntlet, and they got the AFC North, which is a tough division, but they are not pretenders. Denver is a contender. Rams, 2-0. They're a more complete offensive team with Matthew Stafford, and their running game with you know different personnel is, is serviceable. Uh, they, I think the Rams have lost a little mojo defensively, uh, and, but as long as you've got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, they set the tone. This is a no-brainer. The Rams are contenders, okay? They, they should get to the playoffs. The Arizona Cardinals, they're a hell of a lot of fun to watch. I, I love what they're doing. Um, they're a contender. I'm not going to go into great detail. The Carolina Panthers, they've dispatched the Jets and the Saints and now Houston. They're 3-0. and I just gave you the stat on 3-0 and teams. Yes, Carolina is a, is a contender, just like I said. Before the season, if Matt Rule did certain things, they'd be a contender. 
And some fine gentleman who listens to the show says, oh, are you serious about this? We might have to make a bet. Yeah, I'm just going to let you. I'll let you off the hook on that one. I'll accept your apology. But, again, 3-0 teams, it's only 77% chance of making the playoffs. It could still not happen, but I like what they're doing there, and that defense is for real. All right, there are several 0-2 teams. Jacksonville, let's get this one out of the way. They're a pretender. You know the reasons why. The New York Jets, they're 0-2. They're a pretender. You know the reasons why. Give Zach Wilson a Robert Sala time. That era, they bring enough positives to be competitive in future years. Not this year. The Atlanta Falcons, 0-2. Their rookie coach, uh, Arthur Smith, he's still trying to figure out what the hell his offensive identity is. And I know I gave Matt Ryan a lot of praise before the season. He got old overnight. Falcons, pretender. Now, the Colts, you know, I got a lot of respect for that organization. This one's tougher because the Colts have a good defense. They have toughness, great coaching under Frank Reich. That keeps them in games. Their rushing attack has been very disappointing out of the gate. Carson Wentz, I I don't think he's just long for this world in terms of being a week-to-week NFL quarterback that you can put on your back. Right now, I I just I got to put them in the pretender category. They're a good quality franchise, but they're going to need to pull this out very quickly. The New York Giants with Daniel Jones. They've been a little bit of a pleasant surprise in terms of the way they compete. He's getting a little help from his new receivers. And Saquon Barkley's been okay. But the Giants are a boomer bust team. And look, I, I when you look at their division, do they look better than the Cowboys? No, they don't. They look better than the Eagles? No, frankly, they don't. They look better than Washington? Nope. So the Giants are massive pretenders. Which brings me to the Minnesota Vikings. They are the one 0-2 team that I will I will give the contender label to at this point. The Vikings have lost a pair of heartbreakers with varying last-second field goal drama on the road, first to the Bengals, then the Cardinals, they, the, the fumble, but they're the only 0-2 team that is two plays away from being 2-0. And every team in the NFC North has already lost at least once. That helps. But the Vikings defense, despite a few impact players, has been a real big disappointment when they need a big rebound from Mike Zimmer, who's a defensive-minded coach. But the offense seems fine. And if Dalvin Cook is healthy, which I'm not sure he's going to be tomorrow, and Kirk Cousins is healthy, they've got the the ability to score points, but this is not an offense with what you call a whole hell of a lot of finishing flair. It's missing. Uh, now, they've got some breaks coming up on their schedule, and Seattle comes to town tomorrow. I realize what a great player Bobby Wagner is, but he's not the same Bobby Wagner of five years ago. The Seattle defense, just look at their numbers statistically. They're not good. The Vikings should be able to score points tomorrow. But they've got – and here's the good news and the bad news. The Vikings have two home games in a row to get their ship straightened out. But they're against Seattle and Cleveland back-to-back. So the Vikings started out 0-2 last year. You can call them pretenders. Right now, I'll say they are a contender, but if they lose to Seattle tomorrow, then I'm putting them in that category that we just talked about. Only five teams in the NFL history have made the playoffs after starting 0-3. In the history of the NFL, teams that start 0-3, they have a 3.4% chance of making the playoffs. Good news is I actually think Minnesota is going to win tomorrow. I think they're going to beat Seattle. And that is one of the many games we'll go over with with Steve Fezzik, who is coming up in the Fezzik Five. 
Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We are back on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. It is that time, America. You've been waiting for it. The dance sensation sweep of the nation. It is time for the Fezzik Five. The time is now. It's the Fezzik Five. These are the five things you need to hear about. Now. With the only back-to-back Hilton Super Contest winner, Steve Fezzik. Here's Bernie Fratto. All right, Fez, here we go for week three. Already got people tweeting about your segment. Let's start with your number one play in terms of the side. Who do you like? 
Going to take the Atlanta Falcons plus three at the New York Giants. Two pretty equally bad teams here, Bernie, and the odds makers have given the Giants three for home field. I think that's way too much. I think the G-men only are worthy of a one-and-a-half point home field advantage. That only gets me the two on this game, and you're catching three. The all-important hook will bet the Falcons plus the three. Says I like the way you broke that down because historically – NFL home field advantage has been sometimes three, four points, but it's not the same currently. So I think you found a market inefficiency, whereas the line maybe should be one and a half. You've got it at a key number of three. Is that summarized properly? Absolutely. In the last three years, 2019, 20, and 2021, if you just looked at the data, you would conclude that home field is worth less than one point. Outstanding stuff as, all right. We've already gone to your best side, Atlanta plus three at the New York Giants. What's your best total play tomorrow? Go to Sunday night football, Green Bay, San Francisco, over 50. And there's a trend here that if you just played home teams that were 2-0 and on the season, uh, flying high, very excited to play, those home teams go over more than 65% of the time over the past seven years. I love that trend. I think Green Bay will get their points, and Green Bay never seems to be able to stop the 49ers, even with running back injuries. I'm on the over 50 Green Bay. San Francisco. I'm glad you uh, put an exclamation point, Fez, on that trend. It's the exact same trend I talked about as I was closing down straight out of Vegas just before midnight. I actually had it at 64%. I like yours better at 65%. So we've got Atlanta plus three at the New York Giants. The total Green Bay, San Francisco over 50. Now this one's important because Fez, I want to give you top credit Again, to explain to everybody, we have what are called look-ahead lines here in Las Vegas, which means on Wednesday or so of any given week, even though we're heading into week three, there are look-ahead lines heading into week four that you can bet. Here's why this is important before I turn it over to you, Fez, because week one, you notice that week two, the look-ahead line for Denver heading to Jacksonville was only two and a half. That's when you want to bet it. By the time the following week rolled around, that line grew all the way to six and a half. Didn't matter because Denver won by double digits, but you always want to get the best of the number. So here's another opportunity to take advantage of a look-ahead line midweek this week. Fest, take it away. And the Denver Broncos, we are on them again, Bernie. They continue to be undervalued in the look-ahead marketplace. Denver plus one hosting Baltimore. Now, it's Baltimore's third road game. For the in the four-game regular season, but also Baltimore finished with two road games in the preseason. I know they had a bye week after that, but this is when they're playing. This is their fifth road game, last six. So that's a little hidden um, travel fatigue on Baltimore, like Denver in the altitude, plus the one. All right, Fess, so we've got Atlanta plus three at the New York Giants. They've got Green Bay over, the total of 50. They're hosting San Francisco Sunday Night Football. The look-ahead line as we go to week four, Denver catching one at home against Baltimore. And as we all know, Teddy Bridgewater, 36-13 and 13 against the spread in his career. By the way, we have to see what happens tomorrow. Fez, you're always very good at sort of predicting which way a line is going to go. Do you expect that line to move off of Denver getting one at home, or what are your thoughts? I hmm, 
I am really not certain in terms of what that line's going to do. For uh, but but I'll say this: Denver is an absolute darling, Bernie, in terms of a team that the marketplace has abs- absolutely um, loved to bet on. So with them very likely to crush the Jets, I'll predict that Denver closes minus one and a half. I was going to say I think I would see Denver money coming in tomorrow if they hammer the Jets, and you, we don't know what Baltimore is going to do tomorrow. They got another tough assignment. So, all right. Here's one having to do with the season over-under win total. First, Fez, explain to folks the concept of betting a season win total and the one you like now. This looks like an adjustment to me. Yeah, so DraftKings, I got to give them credit. They've been putting up updated season win numbers for the teams. Vegas just puts them up before the season starts and then pulls them down. Every week, DraftKings updates their numbers, Bernie, and they've updated the Kansas City Chiefs to be 12 and a half. That's what the number was before the season started. I don't understand in what universe we can still value Kansas City the same as we did when the season started with them giving up almost eight yards per play and already having a loss. Got to absolutely play Kansas City under 12 and a half wins. All right, so the key here is Kansas City currently 1-1. One one. There are 15 games left. If you bet the under, you want the Chiefs to land on 12 wins or less. Fez, you must be in good company because that's getting steamed. You showed it minus 140. Yeah, minus 140 is the VIG, you know, and what's interesting, so before the season started, the VIG on it was like minus 125, so you really have to pay only like 15 cents more VIG than before the season started, and look at all this good news. You already have a loss for Kansas City, and the defense is clearly worse than what it was expected to be. No question. That run defense is, I think, 25th. You can really run the ball on the Chiefs. All right. The fifth bet for the Fezzik Five. Fez, it's always good to find one teaser, and if you're able to cross through key numbers and latch on to a quality team and playing at home, you've got yourself a pretty good proposition. Give your best teaser tomorrow. Yeah, so the basic strategy on the Wong teasers, they call them. By the way, I'm friends with Stanford Wong, so he, he actually learned this from me, I believe. But uh, nevertheless, you want to take a favorite that's a touchdown or more and bring it down to less than a field goal. Cross through those three through seven key numbers, and my teaser is going to do exactly that. I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals from minus 7.5 down to minus 1.5, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills down from minus seven to minus one. Two teams, six-point NFL teaser, Arizona, Buffalo. That sounds like it's rock solid. I didn't know you knew Stanford Wong. You know, I called him up once, Fez. Is that right? Yeah, I got the Wong number. Oh, no, who writes this stuff? (laughs) All right, let's review the Fez Five. Atlanta plus three at the New York Giants. Green Bay, San Francisco, over of 50. Bet the over. The look-ahead line, when Wednesday rolls around, look for Denver. Currently, they're plus one. Their week four opponent is Baltimore. That line could move. Right now, you might be getting a 3-0 team, getting a point at home. The season totals for the Kansas City Chiefs, now 12.5. Fez likes the under, bet the under. They're 1-1. As he aptly pointed out, their defense is a shell at what it was two years ago. And his number one teaser, Arizona's currently 7-5. Bet that down, six points to one and a half. Buffalo, they're minus seven. Bet that down to minus one. Coming up, Fez is going to stay with us. We're going to talk about some games on the schedule and get his thoughts. We've got Chargers, Kansas City, who we just referenced. Chicago, Cleveland, 
Justin Fields making his first start. Any Tennessee, Baltimore, Detroit, Cincinnati Pitt, and of course, the Miami Dolphins visit the Los Angeles Raiders. Los Angeles, try Las Vegas. Can they go 3-0? We're going to hit all those games coming up as the Fezzik 5 continues. But first, hey, well, let's go to the man. He always likes to say, you only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. It's Bruin Finley with the latest. Thank you so much, Bernie Fratto in Vegas. Number three, Oregon absolutely took it to Arizona 41-19 to as we look back at some of the last games to finish up on Saturday in college football. The Ducks scored 17 unanswered in the fourth quarter after the Wildcats got it to within five. And part of that 17-0 run saw Anthony Brown, the Ducks QB, throw an 18-yard touchdown pass to Spencer Webb. Oregon State demeaning at USC 45 to 27 chance Nolan for touchdowns and Beaver running back BJ Baylor baptizing that Trojan secondary 23 carries for 158 yards on the ground number four Oklahoma gasping by West Virginia 16 to 13 with that last second field goal Spencer Rattler the Sooner QB was booted at times during this game but he was the one to engineer what would be the game-winning touchdown drive or field goal that would start at the eight yard line that drive and then lead all the way into West Virginia territory. Number 15 BYU stunning USF 35 to 27 Baylor Romney three touchdowns to his name the Cougar QB. Number 16, Arkansas gets the job done against number 7, Texas A&M, 20-10. K.J. Jefferson, the Hogs quarterback, had two touchdown passes, two of his seven completions through the air in that game. Number 9, Clemson brain farting against NC State, 27-21. The Wolfpack win it in double overtime as the Tigers have lost two games on the season. As we look ahead to Sunday in the NFL, according to ESPN Carson Wentz after injuring both of his ankles last week is slated to start for the Colts today against the Titans. Also Chiefs defensive end Frank Clark is not going to play today against the Chargers although KC does say that Chris Jones is going to play, although he has been questionable with that wrist injury. And just finally, a couple quick mentions in Major League Baseball. The Cardinals continue their winning ways 15 straight after plastering the Cubs 8-5. Also, the Angels taking out their season frustrations on the Mariners with a 14-1 thumping. Shohei Otani, two hits and three RBI. And finally, Bernie, how about those Padres? They lose again they continue to nosedive in the standings 10-8 they fall to the Braves in 10 innings as San Diego is 23 games out of first place in the NL West as things have gone south in a hurry in San Diego things are going on the up and up though with Bernie Fratto and his sidekick as we send it back to you guys of course folks those are the dulcet tones of the silver tongue devil Bruin Finley will be on the updates with me all the way until 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. All right, let's jump back in with Steve Fezzik. Fez, we just talked about the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're 2-11 and against the number in their last 13 games. Their run defense is about 25th, but money seems to be coming in on them as I see the line is now minus 7 as the Chiefs host 
the L.A. Chargers tomorrow. Your thoughts? And before I get to the Chiefs, Bernie, I have to, I have to say fantastic scoreboard rundown, but we cannot say that Oregon destroyed Arizona and then give a score where they didn't cover here in Vegas. That's how we keep score. Arizona pummeled Oregon in my eyes. Getting to the Chargers <laughs> Chiefs, um, you know, interesting game because I like the Chargers in this game. The line went up from six and a half up to seven. I will predict it goes back down to six and a half. We spoke about Kansas City, horrible defense, gives up almost eight yards per play. No one else in the NFL is even giving up seven. I like the Chargers in the shootout here, plus the seven. You like the Chiefs to win the game, though? Yes, I do. All right. I, I think that's a heavy number, and as I just mentioned, you know, you, everybody pays the Chiefs tax. They're 2-11, Fez, against the number in their last uh, in, in their last 13 games. By the way, I want you to continue to give the folks a bit of an education this is a key line move. When a game moves from six and a half to seven, and now you're laying seven, what does that do to a professional better in terms of the math over the long haul? Well, laying minus seven minus a dollar ten is actually worse than laying minus six and a half minus a dollar twenty. So if I told you you're going to try to win betting on sports and you got to go ahead and risk six to make five, most bettors would say you got to be crazy. I'm not going to do that. Essentially, that's really what you're trying to do when you're betting the Chiefs right now minus seven. That clearly is the bet you absolutely don't want to make. All right, one of the teams I don't think you can trust, and it's for a very good reason, Cincinnati visits Pittsburgh. Again, we've had a huge line move. Talk about that game as the Steelers look to be a mash unit. So this line was as high as seven on the look-ahead line for the Steelers. was four early in the week, and now it's three and dropping, Bernie, to two and a half. And you know what? Normally, I would never, ever recommend taking a plus three when you could have got higher numbers. But you look at that injury report for the Steelers on defense, and we saw how compromised Pittsburgh was in the second half against the Raiders. And now Big Ben's not 100% with a peck issue. You can still get three on the Bengals. You won't be able to get that tomorrow bold prediction this line closes too if you like the Bengals, bet plus three right now yeah good point fez you move up that key number of three you're just not getting the same value i want to talk about a couple of games that i know have been bet heavily here in las vegas more than one six-figure bet the saints catching three as they head into new england sean payton pretty good coming off a loss your thoughts on that game so this is a game I love look-ahead lines. I bet games of the year. I bet the Patriots minus one about a month ago. And so I have no interest in laying three with the Patriots. Having said that, the spot is terrible for the Saints. Remember, they've been practicing in Texas. They're coming home after this game, so they're distracted. The Superdome caught fire this week. Another distraction. And by the way, it's the third straight game away from home. Jacksonville, Carolina, and now they have to go to Foxborough. Really bad travel spot for the Saints. I'll lean, just a tiny lean Patriots. Let me ask you a question, though, Fizz. Uh, don't mean to put you on the spot, but where do you have these two teams power rated? Yeah, I have New England two points better than the average team. I have the Saints one point better. So I have the Patriots just a little bit better. Two for home field gets me to three, Bernie. So the now if you're catching the Saints plus three, might that not be where the mathematical value is, though? Yes, but the problem is the spot is terrible for the Saints, so I probably have to make a point adjustment against them because of it. All right, another dog that I have become aware where there were six-figure bets made at the South Point, the Green Bay Packers catching three 
over the 49ers. Interestingly enough, for whatever reason, the Niners are 3-9 against the number on Sunday night games. And Aaron Rodgers is actually 9-3 against the spread as a dog of three or fewer points in his career. Your thoughts on the game? And I have a couple trends for you as well. One trend is pro uh, Packers. It's actually anti-Niners. The Niners, when they go into a homecoming game, they're terrible. What do I define a homecoming game? That's a game you've been on the road for more than a week before you play back at home. That's happened three times for the Niners. They've stayed extended road trips on the East Coast. They've fallen on their face all three times. 0-3 against the spread. Average margin, minus 11, including losing outright right to an Atlanta Falcon team as a 10-point favorite. So you want to fade the 49ers, but it's Sunday night football. The West Coast team, Circadian Rhythms, has a big edge, Bernie, on these late games. You know what? Green Bay first half if you like Green Bay, 49ers second half if you like the 49ers because of the late start time. That's interesting. You mentioned that you know you, you, you think San Francisco could come out a little sluggish tomorrow after being gone for nine days. And, and uh, so here's an opportunity where you, you might get the best of both worlds. All right, I talked about this in my earlier segment, Fez. Minnesota is 0-2, but they could have very easily been 2-0. 0-2 teams are straight up uh, that are straight up 0-2 are 56% against the number in week three. Could you fire on Minnesota tomorrow? I think you should. And you can use Minnesota in teasers also. You can tease them with Arizona. You can tease them with Buffalo because you're getting the plus two up to the plus eight. But I do like Minnesota as well. The 0-2 desperate team. Let's face it, Minnesota isn't 0-2, Bernie. They're 0-0-2. What do I mean by that? They had two coin flip games that essentially were ties, and they lost both of them. So they will be fully focused. Let's just hope that Kirk Cousins doesn't get into a fight with Zimmer before the game starts. A little worries about the locker rooms, but I prefer Minnesota. Is Dalvin Cook going to play in that game, Fess? I expect that he will, yes. All right, I don't know if he's 100%. Would you agree you, they look like a 2-0 and team because they're the only team of all the seven teams that are 0-2 that are exactly two plays away from being 2-0, a fumble and a missed field goal? Exactly right. It's an overtime loss and a short missed field goal. You can make the case they were more likely to be 2-0 than to be their current 0-2. I feel that way as well. One final thing about that game, because there's a lot of meat on the bone. Seattle comes to town. Every year, they want to make people think that their defense is progressing back towards the Legion of Boom. I see something totally different. Where have you got Seattle's defense power rated? And don't you believe Minnesota should get their points tomorrow? Oh, it's going to be a shootout. There's a reason the total is 55. Yeah, I've got Seattle as slightly below average defense, but that's the case for the Vikings as well. I'll say this. I am embarrassed. I said that, that Lockett, one of the wide receivers for Seattle, was going to slow down this year, and Lockett and Metcalf are a tremendous one-two punch for Seattle. All right, the final game. Would love to get your thoughts on this. Tampa Bay visits the Rams. Now, the send-off line, I believe, a week ago, the Rams were a short favorite. Tampa Bay now a one-and-a-half point favorite. I do not buy for one second that Brady's looking ahead to New England next week. Your thoughts on this game? 
You know, I'm going to let the odds makers decide my bet in this game. And what do I mean by this? I love taking a one-and-a-half point underdog and teasing them up to seven-and-a-half through those key numbers of three and seven. Well, right now, Tampa's laying one to one-and-a-half. I like the Rams teaser from one-and-a-half up to seven-and-a-half. I tell you what, though, Bernie, if the Rams had been favored as they were earlier in the week, I would like to tease Tampa Bay up to seven or more. Um, I see this as being a complete shootout. I don't know who's going to win. 30-27, to 27, close game. Yeah, I, the total, is, I think it's 55, is it not? It looks like both both teams should be able to put up points. Absolutely, 55 and a half, yes. All right, good stuff. He is Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Hilton Super Contest here in Las Vegas. He will join us every, well, Saturday night heading into Sunday, 12.20 a.m. Pacific, 3.20 a.m. Eastern. You want to join us every week in this time slot for the Fezzik Five. Fez, good luck tomorrow, buddy. Bernie, you are just the best. Thank you again for having me on your show. All right, buddy. We look forward to next week. Good luck tomorrow, Fez. We'll be talking. That is, again, Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Hilton Super Contest. The Fezzik Five, you want it in America, you got it. And uh, if you missed any of that, go back, listen to the podcast. A lot of meat on the bone, including Fezzik's best bet of Atlanta plus three at New York and his best total, the over in the Green Bay San Francisco game. Hey, there's a lot more games on the slate. I want to give you some quick hitters for Sunday week three, Arizona, Jacksonville, Indy, Tennessee, Baltimore, Detroit, New Orleans, New England, uh, Jet Stanford. We didn't talk about that. Then of course, Miami and the Las Vegas Raiders. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fredo coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences, loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We are back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, and... Uh, of course, I'm joined by my capable crew. That would be Chris Perfett, Ricky Herrera, and Bruin Finley on the updates. Just to reiterate, the Fezzik 5, in case you missed it, his best side, Atlanta plus 3 at the New York Giants. His best total, Green Bay over. They're visiting San Francisco. It's a Sunday night game, and the total is around 50. You want to, Fez likes the over. Again, Wednesday rolls around. Grab that look-ahead line, Denver plus one at home against Baltimore. That's what's currently at. We look for the line to probably move after this Sunday's games. Season four, or check that. The fourth play, Kansas City. This has to do with a season 
total bet. Currently, if you want to bet the over on the Chiefs of 12.5, they'd have to land on 13 wins. They're already 1-1. One and one. And uh, if you want to bet the under, then they'd 12 or under. Fez likes the under. And then Fez has a, a good teaser play tomorrow. And you know how teasers work. You can add six, six and a half, or seven points to one of the sides of a teaser. And, yes, you do need two outcomes to cash that bet. But if you tease Arizona down, they would be uh, minus seven and a half, Buffalo minus one. They're about down to one and one and a half, two games that they're likely to win. So that is the Fezzik five and what he likes this week. Uh, good luck with those tomorrow. Uh, look, Arizona is minus seven and a half against Jacksonville. It would seem to me if you tease them down to one, one and a half, or you could even bet a seven-point teaser, tease it down to a half, you'll pay more juice. One of the things that Fez pointed out, the Jacksonville defense is very fatigued. In addition to be being a uh, obviously a, a, an expansion team that's going to struggle mightily this year, they're coming off a one-win season last year. The defense has been on the field. Now, they've, been, they've played two games, 120 minutes of football in Jacksonville. Their defense has been on the field 74 minutes, traveling across country to Arizona. Obviously, Arizona is part of a teaser. Seems like a really good bet. I got a lot of faith in Tennessee. They're laying four and a half tomorrow. Not on the game. I like the under. Carson Wentz has been practicing. He is now probably a favorite to start for Indianapolis. But I would just say this. Uh, a healthy Wentz would probably be worth three points better than uh, Easter Hunley. But be that as it may, I think Tennessee is going to be too much for Indianapolis. But I'm not on that game. Baltimore was laying eight at Detroit. They got guys banged up on defense. Baltimore is a bully. They, by the way, money's come in on Detroit. They're down to seven and a half now. Uh, the almost said the Colts or the Ravens. But I like the culture of that team. What a gritty win the other night. Uh, Lamar Jackson is the real deal. And Baltimore is a bully. They're 14-1 straight up versus losing teams. And their average win has been around 18 points. I don't know if you can back Detroit. Some people are. Just giving you my two cents on that. The Chargers-Kansas City game, to me, is intriguing. Why in the hell are they laying seven points? A lot of people must have a lot of faith in Kansas City to not only win at home, but to hang that number. They're 2-11 against the spread their last 13 games. Their run defense is 25th. Be interesting to see how Justin Herbert does tomorrow. The one game I'm looking at tomorrow I haven't fired on yet, Cleveland laying seven against Chicago. Justin Fields will make his debut he will bring his 27 passer rating to the game. I think it's going to be, could be a tough day. I hope his default mechanism isn't just to take off and run. Miami and Las Vegas, Raiders are laying three and a half. Could they go three and oh? Maybe. 100% Tua is only slightly better than Jacoby Brissett. A banged up Tua is probably worse than Brissett, so Miami may be catching a break here. Derek Carr also banged up. He's having a great year so far. He's probably worth four and a half, five points to the line if he couldn't play. Coming up, people want to pick on Urban Meyer. I'm going to defend him. He's not the only coach that started slow. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The Fox Sports Sunday trend keeps rolling right along. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific and 6 a.m. Eastern. We are just getting started. And I want to remind you, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. You know, before you continue to pick on Urban Meyer, and I, I would remind you, he took over a team that won one game last year. Some people are even comparing him to Bobby Petrino. You remember the knucklehead Bobby Petrino when he coached the Falcons? Quit with three weeks to go. And by the way, remember, Jimmy Johnson was 1-15 his first season, too. And so I thought I might give you a little perspective that some coaches that have pretty big names had a terrible first year in the NFL. And so Urban Meyer is not along. And let's also recognize and acknowledge being an NFL head coach is talked about as one of the hardest jobs in the world, and that's not hyperbole, right? It's... I would say the NFL is the hardest league to make your debut in. And being in charge of an NFL team is actually one of the toughest gigs, not only in head coaching, but it's in entertainment, the sports business, period. Because statistically speaking, anybody entering their first year as the man in charge of a multi-million dollar NFL team, you're just going to have incredibly rough days every day. 
Most teams hire a new coach because they just fired the last one for being terrible. And a terrible head coach can leave a mark on a franchise for years, long after they've been fired. And all of a sudden, it's the job of the new coach to deal with the past mistakes the best he can, even when someone is replacing somebody who was a good coach and getting a good team. It's a difficult job to pick up the reins. I bet you didn't even know Lou Holtz actually was a head coach in the NFL for one year. He coached the Jets in 1976, and at the end of the preseason, Holtz actually was moaning in the locker room. If I knew the NFL was going to be this tough, I never would have taken the job. He lasted exactly one game. Now, there are other coaches, too. I bet you didn't know Bill Walsh. Well, he had a little bit of a hell of a start with the 79 San Francisco 49ers. Long before Walsh was winning Super Bowls with Joe Montana, you know, Again, he's on the list. This is not a list of the worst first year of head coaches or the head worst head coaches of all time. Not at all. What it is, it's a list of how many coaches that had big names had a terrible first year. The fact of the matter is, Walsh's rookie year in charge of the 49ers, you would have never known that first year he would have become the legend he's, you know, he the renowned legend he came to be in the NFL. First of all, Bill Walsh was hired from Stanford after two successful seasons, and he was replacing a gentleman named Pete Culley and Fred O'Connor, who had both been with the Niners less than a year. They finished the 78 season with a 2-14 and record, so he inherited a mess, just like Urban Meyer. But Walsh created the West Coast offense in the NFL years before the, you know, when he'd been actually with the San, or the Cincinnati Bengals, but no NFL team wanted to give him a chance until San Francisco came calling. Interestingly enough, Walsh was smart enough to draft Joe Montana, who, trust me, did not come out of Notre Dame with high accolades. And even with future Hall of Famer Joe Montana, Walsh struggled mightily in his first year. They had a 2-14 and season for the second straight season. Now, it's amazing to think in a league where coaches are fired after only one season or before they're demonstrated they can do the job, that Walsh could stick around. His second year wasn't much better as he finished 6-10. and So, Urban Meyer is not alone. Now, there's some goofballs, too. This is a team I covered. Marty Morningweg. Now, Matt Millen thought the world of him. Actually, Marty Morningweg got the job with the Lions in 2001 because Bill Walsh recommended him. He was good with people. He knew offense. He was creative, innovative. 2001 was the first year Matt Mellon had taken over the GM of the Detroit Lions. And the man, he now, I don't want to step on any toes here, but Matt's the worst GM in history. Okay, 50 games under 500. I could go through a litany of things. Uh, violated the Rooney Rule twice. I have to take up the whole show if I talk about the issues we had with Matt but thank God he's okay today, and he's gainfully employed, and he's a Super Bowl winner on the field as a player, just not so much as a GM. He hired Marty Morningweg from the 49ers. Morningweg had been the offensive coordinator. And again, he came with a high recommendation from Bill Walsh. The Lions actually had a pretty good draft that year, too, because they selected Jeff Backus, Dominic Riola, Sean Rogers. These are guys who actually stayed with the organization and became future Pro Bowlers. But they had guys like Charlie Batch and Ty Detmer and Mike McMahon starting at quarterback. The Lions' offense struggled. They ranked 26th in his rookie year in charge of the Lions. Again, Marty Morningweg, an abysmal 2-14. and 14. 
but he managed to win enough games in the fall to draft third in the following year. Look, Morningweg was then 3-13 and in his second season, and he's regarded as one of the worst head coaches ever. All right, you see a pattern here? This isn't so easy, right? You come out of the gate. I mentioned Bobby Petrino, so I might as well give you the story. And not for nothing, Bill Belichick had a rough year his first year in New England. I won't go into those numbers because some people will selectively listen and think I'm calling Bill Belichick a bad coach. I want to go back to Bobby Petrino because he was the all-time meathead. 2007 Atlanta Falcons. This was one hell of a year for the Falcons. Petrino had been hired from the college ranks, again, sound familiar, and was supposed to turn Michael Vick into a more complete quarterback. But shortly after being hired, poor Michael Vick was arrested on the dogfighting ring and he never played for the Falcons again so that left Petrino a hole at quarterback and he had to fill it pretty quickly so he brought in Joey Harrington who just washed out with the Lions and Byron Lefwich who's by the way doing a great job as the offensive coordinator for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now both of those guys had actually been drafted in the top 10 but they were busts he also had a guy named Chris Redman a no name who actually turned out to be the best quarterback on the roster he filled the gap And Bobby Petrino, for this portion of it, really couldn't be blamed. But the owners and the fans and Arthur Blank might have given him a a pass. But the truth of the matter is Petrino, he didn't really fit the mold of the NFL. He he talked too much. He complained. Uh, Players complained about him. The Falcons were 29th in scoring. And the writing was on the wall, literally. Because with three games to play in the season... Petrino cut and run. He actually resigned with a 3-10 and record to take a head coaching job with the Arkansas Razorbacks, and he did it in the worst way possible. He left a note on the locker room and didn't even face the players, and he was called a coward by lawyer Malloy and a, and, and a gutless bastard by his own defensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer. And you know what he was? To leave that way and not even say goodbye, I mean... That's really ridiculous. So, look, I could I could make fun of Rich Kotek because he never had a, a, a good season with anybody, but his first year with the New York Jets, you know, brutal. First year with the Eagles, brutal. And he made both teams worse. He was 3-13 one year, 1-15 one year. He's become a punchline. He's become a legend. And you know what? There have been guys that were great offensive coordinators that completely flunked in the NFL. Uh, Cam Cameron comes to mind, also 2007, same year as the Miami Dolphins. The only reason Cam Cameron avoided an 0-16 season is because the Baltimore Ravens missed a 44-yard field goal in Week 15, but Cameron was 1-15 in his inaugural season with the Miami Dolphins, one of the worst seasons ever. Here's what's interesting, the reason I brought up Cam Cameron. Cameron was hired to replace Nick Saban. Obviously, the legendary college coach who quit halfway through his second season to coach Alabama. It seems to have worked out okay for Saban in Alabama. And Cameron was meant to provide kind of a spark to the offense because he was a very good offensive coordinator. Again, he couldn't find a quarterback. Remember the legendary Cleo Lemon? How about John Beck? He eventually got 37-year-old Trent Green to come out of retirement and almost got him killed the first game. Green suffered a severe concussion. And, and again, with Can Cameron at the helm, the team was 26th in total offense this year, but they made up for it with their defense. That ranked 29th. 
So eventually, Bill Parcells was hired by the Dolphins after the 2007 season as executive vice president of football operations and immediately fired everybody and fired Cameron. Believe it or not, Parcells actually invited, eventually hired Tony Sperano. Remember him? He used to wear glass, uh, sunglasses on the sidelines. God rest his soul. He's since passed. But Sperano, I'm going to give him a little love here. He actually led the team to 11 wins. So before you rag on Urban Meyer too much, and we know you're a bunch of haters out there, you're rooting for him to fail, you don't like the guy, but he's not alone. When it comes to managing, coaching, running an NFL team in your inaugural season, I don't know if I really would wish it on anybody. I don't care how much money they pay. Speaking of the head coaches, I want to switch gears. USC will be hiring a new head coach this coming season. I've got some thoughts on who I think it should be. Man, I'm coming in from left field, but I'm going to make my case, and I'm also going to bring in the crew, as one of our crew members actually got his graduate degree from USC, and our entire crew lives in L.A., so i got to believe they have some thoughts about who should be the, the next USC head coach coming up. We will tackle that. See what I did there? I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific and 6 a.m. Eastern. If you had a chance to see the uh, USC Trojans play tonight, not one of their better efforts. Uh, Oregon State had not beaten USC in the Coliseum since Kennedy was president. Well, they did it again tonight, and USC didn't look good doing it. Now, I know their backup or their, their re- the, the guy who's running the squad now since Clay Helton was relieved of his duties is popular among the players, and some folks thought, well, they might respond to this guy like they did for Ed Orgeron a few years ago when he was 6-2. and two. Not so much. Look, all right, let's skip to the chase. USC has to hire a new coach, and it's a shame how far the program has fallen because if you've been a college football fan as long as I have, I remember the days when they would go into SEC country and mop the floor. They beat Auburn 23 to nothing. I remember they beat Alabama one year. They were leading Alabama 24 to 7 in the fourth quarter. These were one of the great Bear Bryant teams. Won 24 to 14. Somehow they had to share the national championship. They put up 50 on Arkansas when they had Mitch Mustaine in their sleep. USC, uh, you know, tailback you. I mean, the 1979 Trojans actually put 42 players in the NFL, had two Heisman Trophy winners in their backfield. But I digress. All right. The names you're hearing bandied about, you know, James Franklin, as if he's going to come over from Penn State. I get, you know, he might. I guess it's possible. I don't know that he will. I don't think that's the solution. We have deja vu all over again here, Yogi. And here's what I mean by that: when Pete Carroll was hired in 2001, I am telling you, everybody's got amnesia. The 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 the, the, media, the hiring was panned. Pete Pete Carroll at that point, had had 12 jobs in 20 years. He'd been fired twice in the last six years by two NFL teams, the Jets, where he failed, and the New England Patriots, where he took over for Bill Parcells, and the team did worse, and he was fired. And believe it or not, Pete Carroll was the fourth choice. USC made a run at Dennis Erickson. He said no. 
I believe he was at Oregon. One of the Oregon's goes, Mike Bellotti, he said no. At that time, the San Diego Chargers had a head coach by the name of Mike Riley. He said no. So Pete Carroll was the fourth choice. But one of the things that got Pete Carroll hired was a lot of the great USC alums like Ronnie Lott and a bunch of the great players. They gave Carroll high props because they believed he would really relate to and get the most out of the players, and they gave him a lot of support. They believed he would mesh with the players, and he did. Those USC teams, 2004 and beyond, amazingly good teams. You know, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinard, you, you, you know how great they were. They ended up going outside the box to get a Pete, Pete Carroll. You see, it's easy to not know that now, but they did. Right. So back then, the Dennis Erickson's and the Mike Bellotti's and the Mike Riley's were they're like the the James Franklin's and the Bob Stoops and the names that are mentioned out there. Now, I want to go unconventional. All right. Put on your seatbelts. I am not joking. I'm going to give you a name of a guy I would really consider hiring because the only way that USC is going to return to glory is if you can bring in big time players. Pete Rose said it best, coaching a football team is like driving a stagecoach. Without the horses, you ain't going forward. USC's not getting the horses. They're ending up in Clemson and Alabama and everywhere else but USC. And Southern California plays some of the best high school football in the nation, if not the best. You can't let these kids out of town. All right, wait for it. Bring in Deion Sanders. You know what players want when they are recruited? They want to know, how soon can I play, and can you get me to the NFL? You give Sanders the resources at USC with the connections and enthusiasm, and he's the kind of prime-time, high-profile coach that I think could just work. Pete Carroll worked. And remember two years ago when Dion said he wanted the job in Florida State? No, they went with a guy they thought was established. If you want USC to have the kind of success that they had 20 years ago when they hired Pete, hired Pete Carroll, I think you've got to get back outside, you know, outside the box, as it, as it were, which is a phraseology that I hate using, but I'm going to use it this time because I actually think Dion could recruit players. I think he could get guys that want to come in here and say, how soon can I play? Can you get me to the NFL and restore that USC glory? All right, those are my thoughts. Chris Perfett, you have the graduate degree from USC. You go first. Yeah, Bernie. Um, I'm not quite sold on Dion yet because I think he's he still needs to show what he can do on coaching. I do agree, though, that the key, though, is going to be, no matter what, you, you need to get your recruiting back. Funny enough, I've been an advocate of returning Lane Kiffin because I think he got a bad rap in his few places, and he's shown the world at the places he's been. But my point, my point with Lane Kiffin is that he... I think he knows this, and he trolled the whole world because he took a picture of him at Los Angeles International Airport getting off the plane. So it's like, all right, why is he in L.A.? But the point that he was in L.A. for was probably not for any kind of USC-related thing. It was because he's probably recruiting out of modern day and other high schools around Los Angeles. Like That's, that's where USC is at, is that, as you say, California has an amazing high school scene. Modern day, St. John Bosco, a lot of talent that goes Long to Beach, Poly, the whole, the whole right on down the line. All of it. And I, I've seen this before. I saw where Michigan started to get its pocket pick by Ohio State. Ohio State was coming in and recruiting out of Cass Tech, the football factory in, in Detroit. 
when you start to lose your recruiting ground, that's what hurts. And recruiting is what drives what drives the entire college scene. And kids are no longer ready to just go right there to USC or to stay at home. Texas had the same problem too under Mac Brown, where they started losing. Texas started losing recruits to other places. And the reality now is that kids could go and sit and wait their turn at Alabama, and they don't mind doing it. USC's well, would, they, would Lane Kiffin be your guy? Because he's had nine jobs in the last 18 years. He left very unceremoniously. Would you just yet, If you like him, that's fine. Would, you, would he be your guy? I don't know if he's my guy, but I will say in Lane's defense, he has reinvented himself after spending time at Alabama. Yeah, but if you don't know he's your guy, I don't want to waste any time on him. Do you have a coach in mind? Yeah, I think I think I think Lane Kiffin's my guy. I'll be All honest. Right. I was looking between Crystal Ball and a few others. I think Lane Kiffin, though. See, that's bring the thing. Him home. The Crystal Balls from Oregon and and who uh, got very mad at Doug Gottlieb when Gottlieb. I don't. Th- why would Why would he leave Oregon to come to USC? And why would James Franklin leave Penn State? This is what I'm talking about. Back in 20 years ago, they're going for guys like Erickson and Bellotti and Mike Riley. This is why I want to try a splash. Brian Finley, your thoughts? Yeah, Bernie. So as someone who is a co-host for the UCLA Coaches Show, it's in my best interest to see USC lose. So I think it's not in my best interest to pick the best coach for what is going to lead them to success. So I'm trying to think of somebody who might be a good fit. And, you know, you brought up the, the Petrinos of the world, you know, maybe his brother, Paul Petrino. I remember well, him. bring back Lane Kiffin because that wouldn't work. Well, well, first of all, <laughs> I don't want Lane Kiffin leaving Ole Miss because half of my family went to Ole Miss and that school has a special place in my heart and he is resurrecting that program. So you and, and, guys. And why would he leave? Well, I mean, exactly. If they, if, they, if they beat Bama next week, I mean, he's going to be the Pope of Chili Town. Yeah, exactly. You can see the confidence emanating from him and their quarterback. Speaking of talent, Bernie, Matt Corral yep. from Southern California. My, with, quarterback. There, there we go. There you go. There we, so you've got Bryce Young, who left Southern California, right? Yes. Ugalele from Clemson, Southern California. And now uh, Ole Miss's quarterback who could win the Heisman, he's tremendous. Yeah. So anyway, the long and the short of it is um, – I, you're going to have to recuse yourself. You're, you, you're a UCLA guy. <laughs> uh, Ricky Herrera, do you have a th- any thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm going to bring us up back down to earth. I really think uh, the Mike Bone connection with uh, Luke Fickle, of uh, Cincinnati Bearcat head coach, um, I really think that is probably going to happen. But let me ask you a question. I, and I know I'm contradicting myself a little bit with, with Dion. But can you really bring in a guy who's learning on the job and taking over a program like USC? Can you really do that? Personally, I don't think he should come in midseason. I think they should ride it out with a Deontay, um, their interim head coach. Well, they, they will do that. They, they, listen, they've got a national they, – they, they're going to go through the whole ball of wax, and whoever they hire will not be hired till after the season's over. You won't see the hiring till probably January or, or, or later. But, but it won't be at all during this season. But Mike Bone, who may have a real future, can you really bring in a guy like that wet behind the ears to learn on the job? And Luke Fickles also mentioned, I don't know why he'd come over from Cincinnati. He'd be crazy. I just think the connection with Mike Bone is something that's going to play out. All right, fair, fair enough. And I don't want to squash your idea. Does Mike Bone have Southern California recruiting ties? Uh, I can't. I don't, I don't think so. All right. Well, anyway, guys, this this was a kind of an out of left field situation. I think USC needs to do something 
very splashy. Uh, this is something we're going to revisit in the next few weeks as USC's season plays on. Chris, you brought up some good points about you got a guy here who has proven he can do it in certain programs. Brian, I don't blame you, man. You're a UCLA guy. You got to recuse yourself. And then Ricky, look, you might be onto something there. I just think that you got to win the press conference. And I think if USC brings in a guy who people, you've heard of him, Ricky, but if people really can't relate to him or they don't know, you know, I, it's, he's going to have one foot in the grave on another on a banana peel before we even get started. But this is something, guys, we're going to follow over the next few weeks. That is what you call a crazy takeaway. Speaking of crazy takeaways, I got a bunch of them from week two in the NFL, and we're going to mow them down. But first... Well, let's go to the man, as I've often said, when the smog clears in Southern California, you see L.A. That is right, Bernie, and Westwood is so beautiful, that western part of Los Angeles. You get Fatburger there, man. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. I, I think that's what they have. Uh, I, I haven't really eaten that kind of food in a while, and I'm not trying to sound like uh, uppity or anything, but as far as college football is concerned, let's begin there. A lot to get to from Saturday and some of the keynote games that finished up later on in the evening. Number three, Oregon, survived a scare. They were within five points of Arizona, still looking for their first one of the season, but then it was the Ducks' 17 straight points in the fourth quarter, so they win it 41-19. to Oregon State took it to Chris P's USC Trojans, 45-27. to Chance Nolan had four touchdowns, and I think it was like Bernie early in the fourth quarter, late in the third quarter, they had media members panning the Coliseum, and people were saying that they hadn't seen it that clear of fans, that empty in so many years just fans just filing out of the exits like they needed to get to a party and and had nothing to do with what was going on in the field for USC. They wanted to hear your updates, man. (laughs) Yeah, I think only my mom wants to hear those and my dog. Uh, Number four, Oklahoma wins against West Virginia 16-13 thanks to a last-second field goal. Number 15, BYU stunts USF 35-27. Baylor, Romney, three touchdowns, 305 yards passing. How about Arkansas, Bernie, number 16 team in the land. Sam Pittman has found something with this squad. 4-0 for the first time in 18 years after they defeated Texas A&M, the number seven team in the land, and Jimbo Fisher, 20-10. to Number nine, Clemson face plants to NC State, 27-21 in double overtime. The Cardinals in Major League Baseball get a win against the Cubs, 8-5. So St. Louis has won 15 in a row. The Giants continue their winning ways after they dent the Rocky 7-2. San Fran has a two-game lead in the NL West. The Dodgers two games behind as they are number one in the wild card, but two games out of the division, which is, of course is held by San Francisco. And finally, Bernie, as I send it back to you with all the plethora of NFL games happening later today, ESPN is reporting that, hey, Colts fans, don't worry. Carson Wentz is coming back. He sprained both of his ankles last week, but he is slated to return today against the Titans as Indy is 0-2 on the season. Maybe it's Wentz Bernie that carries them to the victory, but Tennessee is just so formidable. So many weapons. I I find that hard to see happening. I'm kind of with you. Tennessee's a a four-and-a-half point favorite tomorrow. I think the dulcet tones of Bruin Finley. By the way, before we get into some crazy takeaways, how about another rousing edition of What My Name, Chris? 
All right, here we go. 20 years ago this week, I tackled Drew Bledsoe. He would never return to the New England Patriots, opening the door for Tom Brady, who's still going strong 20 years later, seven Super Bowls later. I'm the guy who put Bledsoe out of the game. What my name? Let's start with Ricky Herrera. Oh, man. Uh, that, I'm going to say uh, Dat Nguyen. Ticker, Chris? Dat Nguyen. Oh, that, that's a good name. That's a good name. Uh, he played for the Cowboys for many years, and it would have been around that time frame. But, no, I'm sorry. The game was not against Dallas. All right. Bruin Finley, I tackled Drew Bledsoe, put him out of the game. What my name? If it wasn't with the Raiders, it had to be the great Newt Rockney. <laughs> oh, Brian, you're in rare form tonight, my man. Have you been into Grandpa's cough syrup? Uh, yes, I have, actually. Very it nicely tastes done. very good. Save some for me. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Chris Perfett, the man with the master's degree from USC, I tackled Drew Bledsoe 20 years ago this week, opening the door for Tom Brady to do what he did. What my name? I just saw a meme of this today, so I'm cheating a little bit, but I know it. It's Mo Lewis. Yes! Nicely done! All right. The meme in question, the meme in question was if you had a time machine, if you could go back and tell Mo, Mo Lewis just let Drew Bledsoe run out of bounds. And by the way, uh, we've checked with the judges. Uh, the rules do not frown on Googling it, but you got five seconds when Chris fires that machine up and that buzzer goes off i'm sorry if you haven't done it in five seconds so you know i don't know how fast your commodore no, it wasn't it wasn't google it was just in in recent back of my head well good for you you know what fair enough you win you know you win uh we don't get it you know we haven't uh, worked it into our budget you have to check with legal we don't know what you win yet but maybe brian can share some of that cough syrup grandpa's cough syrup all right good stuff guys I said there were some crazy takeaways from the NFL in week two, and these are the ones that stuck out in my mind. It's already tough times for quarterbacks throughout the league. Chicago's Anley Dalton, knee, he's out. The Texans, Terod Taylor, hamstring, he's out. Miami's Tua Tagovailoa, ribs, he's out. Carson Wentz, ankle went down, he may play tomorrow. By the way, Derek Carr's banged up. Baker Mayfield, knee, you know, he's he was down for the count. They persevered. But they're not 100% quarterback, even with all the new rule changes, still continues to be a dangerous position in the NFL. And by the way, could Derek Carr emerge as an MVP candidate? Well, he's thrown for 817 yards and four touchdowns through two games, maybe. But this much we know since moving to Vegas, the Silver and Black have started 2-0 twice. Still no playoffs. By the way, give some love to the beleaguered Raiders defense they actually limited the Pittsburgh Steelers to 17 points last week and 2.8 yards per rush. As I said, with Max Crosby and Yannick Nakwe, they've got a legit pass rush. By the way, not for nothing, here's a crazy takeaway. The Raiders have actually beaten the Steelers six of eight meetings going back to 2006. I think they're still pissed off about the immaculate reception. What if I told you that Jacksonville's First-year coach Urban Meyer is 0-2. We already knew that. He never lost more than two games in any of his seven seasons at Ohio State. Wow. Meyer told fans after the game last week, he urged them, don't give up on us. I'm not, coach, but some people might have. We'll see what happens. And not for nothing, 
Jacksonville Jaguars rookie quarterback, uh, Trevor Lawrence, well, he's also 0-2. But guess what? He was 34-2 at Clemson. He's already lost more. He's already lost the same amount of games in the first two weeks that he lost in 36 starts at Clemson. By the way, not so good for Clemson tonight. Maybe they, maybe they can trade Trevor Lawrence back to Clemson. Maybe not. Lawrence has five interceptions through two games, same as he had in 10 games with Clemson in 2020. The Buffalo Bills have averaged 39 points during their six-game winning streak against the Dolphins. They, I don't know. They got their number. They scored 35 last week. They've had at least 30 in every game against the Dolphins. We're going to have some more crazy takeaways. And you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. Coming up, Mackenzie Rivers with Mackinac Sports. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
We are back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific and 6 a.m. Eastern. But first, let's bring you back out to Las Vegas where you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. It is a, uh, a, a segment we do every week at this time, and we'll do it again in an hour. It is, of course, Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers here to bring some data that you can use in just a few hours when NFL Week 3 kicks off. Mackenzie, how's it going? It's going great, Bernie. How you doing? Really good. So you've got an interesting stat involving the Steelers. Fez and I talked about this game where Bengal money's coming in like crazy. You've got some thoughts on this. You ain't lying. I remember A.J. Hoffman came in early Monday morning. He's like, I don't know what my five's going to be. I'll tell you what. Bengals plus four and a half is going to be on my five. Well, AJ's new to Vegas here at Straight Out of Vegas, and he's pretty sharp because he saw this line move coming. It was all Bengals money all week from four and a half to now three, and I just bet the Steelers minus two and a half. Why, Bernie? Well, one factor is this 72% trend I'm going to get to in a minute for the 10, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific here in Vegas window. And then I'm going to give you a 72% trend that's even stronger for the 4 o'clock window involving the game of the year, Bucks at Rams. The 72% trend for this one is Mike Tomlin versus the Bengals. If you look at his division record, he's 12 units above 500 against his division opponents. If you look at his record versus the Bengals, he's 12 units above 500 against the Bengals. He's 20 and 8 ATS. That's 72%. So all of his division ex- excellence, he's you know tied up against the Cleveland Browns, 14 and 15 ATS. Tied up against his arch re- enemy in the Ravens, 14, 14 and 3 ATS. But 100% of his ability to beat the spread in his own division has been by just whooping and whooping and whooping the lowly Cincinnati Bungles, 20 and 8 in his career. He just has their number. So I'm going to go, I'm going to ride with the Steelers. I think there's way too much pessimism coming in from Big Ben. He's, the Hall of Famer is still going to be there. He's still going to be walking out. I know he doesn't have the athleticism that he used to, but doesn't that mean his injury, his hindrance won't really matter as much because it's more of a cerebral game at this point, the way he gets it out quickly. So I don't think the Steelers are as bad as they look, or as they looked the last couple games on offense. So I'm going to ride with them. Laying the two and a half with a little extra vig. What do you think about that, Bernie? Well, for sure, there's no question. Uh, your eyeball test can tell you that, that Tomlin and the Steelers have frankly owned the Bengals over the years. My only caveat, and I'm not disagreeing with you, I just I think this needs to be factored in. Pittsburgh seems to be pretty banged up. Don't those cluster injuries bother you a little bit? They do, they do. I'm just considering how much that is factoring into the line. To get off of three is like a three-tick move. So T.J. Watt, yeah, he's probably going to be in street clothes is my expectation. And, you know, other injuries to boot. But at the end of the day, what have the Bengals shown me? They were down 20-3 to against the Bears. I know they made it close at the end with a pick six on Justin Fields or almost that. Vikings had him beat. The, yeah, the Vikings had you know a field goal to win it. They fumbled at the 30. They've, they've played decently. I'm not saying the Bengals are as bad as I thought they were coming into the season. Joe Burrow has actually looked like he's healed himself somehow from the ankle and the knee and the other knee, the PCL and the MCL and all that. But Joe Burrow still has won, what, three out of 15 games in this league so far? You know, you got, you got to prove it to me to beat Mike Tomlin's Steelers, a guy that's never had a losing season in his career. All right, fair enough. And I and yeah, I think you brought up a great point because if you look at some of those 
lines from uh, Pittsburgh when they're playing at home and they're hosting Cincinnati, just go back the last four years. Some of those have been closer to six or seven. You're not exactly down below right. a field goal. So that justify. Go ahead. If you look at the Steelers, just less than four points to your to your point against the Bengals, eight and two, 80% when giving less than four against the Bengals, Tomlin, in his career. Yep. Case closed. I see that's where the value would be then. I'm not on the game, but I see where you're coming from. All right. You talked about it being the game of the year. Tampa Bay visiting the Rams tomorrow. Brady versus Stafford. Your thoughts? I'm not going to go on and on. I'm a Brady fan because I've seen it my whole life. You know, growing up since the first time I watched football, this stat, it's also 72% against the spread. It's just a mind boggler. The market has not adjusted. Since 2001, when he got his first start, whenever Tom Brady is an underdog, people not believing him, or laying less than three points like he is against the Rams, only one and a half, 52 winners, only 20 losers against the spread. They say it's the great equalizer. That has not been the case when it comes from the man from Michigan, Tom Brady. No doubt about it. Uh, I, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. And how about your boy Matt Stafford, 8-67 and 67 against winning teams, 38% against teams above 500 when they face them against the spread. Right. Do you think he's up for this moment, his biggest game of his well, career? we're going to find out. But I, whether win, lose, or draw, the big thing is whether or not they can get to the Super Bowl, which they've already done, by the way. And the Rams were even a favorite in the Super Bowl three years ago. True. And what's interesting is I've been compiling these stats, and I've said them on the air a thousand times. I feel like people are copying me. I actually have a 10-65. and 65. They've got them at 8-67. and 67. Anyway, you slice it. <laughs> these are the games. I'll give you a case in point, McKenzie. So, yeah. In 2014, the Lions had one of their best teams. To say that Stafford never had anybody to work with is ridiculous. They had, they had Calvin Johnson. They had the number two defense. They had uh, Golden Tate. They had Reggie Bush in the backfield. Five Pro Bowl players on that team. And, again, the number two defense in the NFL. The Lions were 11-5 and five that year before losing to Dallas in the playoffs. You've heard me give that oratory. Matt Stafford did his part, turning the ball over twice with eight minutes to go. I will just say this. Believe it or not, McKenzie, that season the Lions were 11 and 5. They played six playoff teams that year. They were 1 and 5 against those playoff teams. Five of their losses were all against teams who made the playoffs. I rest my case. If you just look at verse expectations, when Matt Stafford has gone up against a team, they could be 1 and 0 with a winning record entering that game, only 30 Winners, 48 losers against the spread. We've done this study before. It happens to line up. That's like a team traveling more than 1,500 miles on Thursday night. Under 38% is not supposed to happen. The right. spread's supposed to equalize these things. But Matt Stafford hasn't shown up when it mattered most. All right, great stuff, McKenzie. You'll be back in an hour with more good stuff so people can get ready for Sunday. And let me just leave you with this thought. The stat that I had compiled over the years was Stafford against teams who finished the season above 500. They beat the Bears in week one. That leads me to believe the Bears will not be a 500 team this year. They beat the Colts in week two. Leads me to believe the Colts may be a 500 team, maybe under five. Well, that's right, you can't go 8-8 eight eight anymore, right? You can go 8-8-1. Eight, eight they might be 8-9. and nine. Don't be surprised that those first two victories are teams who finish below 500. Tomorrow is not an acid test. It's merely three week three on the schedule. Stafford could win tomorrow means nothing as to whether or not he'll win a playoff game in the future. By the way, I hope there's no taunting tomorrow night because the NFL has decided to make taunting calls a point of emphasis. Players are weighing in. It already is starting to look a little silly. I'm going to talk about that coming up. 
I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. Keep it right here. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. From Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We are back on Fox Sports Sunday. Several calls in week two, and I will be bringing in the crew to have another roundtable. We chopped this up a couple of weeks ago. None of us liked the new rule. These are starting to pile up, and it's only week two. And one anonymous player said, we don't know if we can be happy anymore and celebrate. See here, So here's the long and the short of it. The NFL decided to make taunting calls a point of emphasis for the 2021 season, and the decision to do that has caused a lot of waves just two weeks into the you know, this NFL season, I told you, I told you this is going to be an issue because there, there's going to be inconsistencies. There's going to be questions about interpretation. And I, the example I used when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago was the peace sign in the Super Bowl between Tyreek Hill. And look, I'm not going to retell that story again. It's just that it was called during the season, or not called during the season, when the same two teams played, then it was called in the Super Bowl, and this was my biggest concern, inconsistency. There were several questionable taunting penalties across the league week two, and the calls really pissed off a lot of players, coaches, and even some fans. The only silver lining is that none of the taunting calls, as it were, in, uh, ultimately had an impact on the outcome of the game. But part of the issue with these penalties is that players and coaches want to know why was each penalty called. And the officials, they're not elaborating much about what is and isn't acceptable on the field. That's what leads to the frustration. I'm going to give you some examples of calls that were made week two, and then we'll bring in the crew. All right, to Sean Gibson. Early in the day, Gibson was whistled for one of the first uh, taunting penalties of the entire Sunday slate, and the Bears went over the Bengals. Now, Gibson plays safety for the Bears, and he clapped in the face of Bengals receiver Jamar Chase after a pass breakup on the Bengals' very first drive of the game. Now, Gibson was whistled for a 15-yard penalty. That kept the Bengals' offense on the field, although it didn't lead to a score. But after the game... Gibson said the officials wouldn't explain to him why he was penalized on the play, and he voiced, look, I'm not a fan of the rule. He was quoted, he says, I really wasn't saying much. I just clapped because it was a huge play on third down, pumping up my guys, and that is the type of energy that you are playing with with these guys. I don't want to be out there if I can't be happy for my guys when they're making big plays. That's what this game is about. It's just adrenaline, end quote. But he also, in fairness, now, if you're clapping in, it's one thing to clap, it's one thing to clap in a guy's face. Gibson did acknowledge his remorse for committing the penalty, even though he didn't like the call. He said it was costly. Again, it didn't lead to points. But in terms of stopping him on the third down, it's hard sometimes for a defense to get off the field. And he uh, he apologized after the game. He says it's uncharacteristic, but the rule is... It's a fine line. This is where Gibson makes a lot of sense. It's a fine line. You don't know if you can be happy or not. You don't know where you cross the line. And, you know, you don't. Want, he didn't want to go into detail. But a lot of guys, a, a, a lot of times a guy would just simply make a play and then emote, not realizing he's going to get a penalty. 
And when you don't get an explanation from the refs, that's where the interpretation issue starts to rear its head. Jordan Akins, okay, he caught the first completion of Davis Mills' very first pass Sunday against the Browns. Now, again, Jordan Akins, he plays tight end for the Texans, and he spun the ball on the ground after making the catch. That's been a commonplace celebratory, you know, action for players for hell, as long as I can remember. But he apparently spun the ball too close to a Cleveland Browns defender. <laughs> and he gets called for taunting. Now, Texans coach David Culley, he wasn't exactly thrilled. But again, here's the pattern. Didn't feel he got an explanation about why the penalty was called, much like Gibson. They just called it taunting, and that was it. No more explanation other than it was taunting. And taunting is a big emphasis, but spinning the ball. Is that, all right, Levi Wallace. He also got a taunting call. He broke up a pass in the Bills-Dolphins game. Again, Levi Wallace, he's a cornerback for Buffalo. He celebrated the, the uh, play right over the uh, the defender, right over the, the Dolphin defender's head. And he had something to – I guess he said something under his breath. I don't know, and that's what drew the flag. But he ended up having the, uh, the uh, uh, last laugh because the very next play, Jacoby Brissett threw a pass, and he made an interception. Uh, DJ Reed. Here's a situation. The Seahawks had a seven-point lead on the Titans when their cornerback, D.J. Reed, broke up a pass that had been intended for Julio Jones. And the play prevented a touchdown, so he was very understandably excited. He celebrated by flexing in the direction of Julio Jones. The referee decided that fit the definition of taunting. Now, the Titans ultimately failed to convert on fourth down later in the game, but the call was not well-received by the Seahawks nonetheless. One more, Jared Cook. All right? Jared Cook scored what appeared to be a go-ahead touchdown for the Chargers against Dallas. And he celebrated his score again by spinning the ball on the ground in front of the, defal- the uh, Cowboys defender and making a feed Zeke-type motion in front of him. You know how they, they put that, you know, the, the spoon, they like circle your hand that Zeke Elliott used to do. Now that drew a flag. However, the penalty, again, was inconsequential. The Chargers had been whistled for an illegal shift on the same play, and the Cowboys accepted that penalty to render the touchdown moot, but Dallas couldn't accept the taunting penalty since it occurred after Cook's touchdown. Accepting it would have meant the touchdown got the stand. So, guys, the moral of the story here is, well, the NFL may have you know, a certain intention in terms of not wanting this taunting thing to take on a life of its own, this is the pattern. There seems to be a lack of interpretation and consistency, number one. And number two, they're not explaining it to coaches, players, etc. when explanations are asked for. That's where I throw a flag because the referees want to emphasize taunting, but they're not educating the players on how they what they can do to avoid taunting penalties. Again, let's bring in the crew. Chris, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Now that it's starting to rear, it said, what are your thoughts? I still don't like it. I like it even less now, to be honest. Like, it's <clears throat> the way it's being enforced is very weird. Um, its intention from the get go was always suspect. It, again, I, I think I said a few weeks ago, like, it was one step forward when allowing end zone celebrations, but now it's like about 30 steps back by going after taunting. 
I, I, I know the arguments against, and it's like you're trying to prevent a fight on the field, but if there's a fight on the field, then you punish those guys for that. Nobody's going to lose their mind over taunting out there because they're all professionals out there. It's, it's, it's a rule that serves no one, and all it's doing in this game is making football really hard. This is a game where your passions run hot, and it's, it's making a very suspect kind of officiating, and it's too much on the officials, too. They just need to, they need to ditch this rule as soon as possible. I'm with you, Chris. Thousand percent. To me, taunting is when you get in the guy's face and point at him and call his mother. Uh, she wears army boots. All right, something like that. This is this is not taunting to me. This seems to be like extemporaneous, you know, or, or basically just like on the on the fly celebrations because you're happy. You scored a touchdown. You get a key play on third down. That type of thing. Uh, Brian Finley. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think, Bernie, that it's all about entertainment and the process of these exuberant emotional outbursts bring more people to the game. So I think the game is doing harm to itself. Also, let's not not consider the fact that sometimes it's based upon the how the referees are feeling, like their mood. Do you guys remember, and this is on the NBA side, but Joey Crawford, the one time that Tim Duncan was ejected in a game, there was one earlier. Let's see, so he got one. He got teed up once, and then the second time, Tim Duncan was on the bench, and it looked like he was smiling or, or giggling after what perhaps might have looked like a, a a call that he didn't think he agreed with with Crawford on the court, and Crawford thought that it was intended to him directly and he was so sensitive that he looked over at Duncan and said you're out of here you're gone yeah and, and, I do remember yeah that. yeah so you almost it's almost where you are on the field or the court can they hear you can they see you what mood are these referees in like you guys have talked about glowingly already it's about consistency and right now there's none of it and unfortunately no. that's a challenge for these guys exactly right brian there is no consistency there is no rhyme or reason and you know that story it's a good memory that tim duncan joey crawford story actually conjures up a memory and that and that for me is when jimmy valvano who was coaching at north carolina state once went up to a referee and said hey let me ask you a question ref can i get a technical for just thinking something the referee says no of course not jimmy why because because i think you suck and one second later he got teed up so we need to get some rhyme or reason and fortunately so far none of these penalties have cost the team a game yet but i gotta feel like that's coming chris you brought that up a couple weeks ago if this continues one of these days it might cost an outcome and then we really got a problem ricky herrera what are your thoughts on this i I think that Jordan Atkins penalty was laughable. I just want to say that. But uh, these penalty calls, they come across as subjective by right. the refs. But I think I think it's really an outside pressure that these uh, officials are feeling from the uh, the rules committee. And then there have, the past couple of weeks, there's been some big-name coaches who have uh, spoken on taunting. And I think the, the officials are just feeling pressure. Uh, Ricky, good memory on the Jordan Akins because of the three. I thought that was the most ridiculous. He's the one who caught the pass against the Browns. He plays for the Texans and spun the ball on the ground, which you've seen these guys do a million times. 
and he was flagged for taunting because there apparently evidently he spun the ball too close to the face of the Browns defender. Well, what the hell was the Browns defender's face on the ground? He threw the ball on the ground. So I think we're all in agreement on this. And my my hope is, much like the balk rule that baseball instituted many years ago where they called a bunch of them in April, the, the league kind of came under fire. And so what they did was they backed off it and they stopped calling it and it was better for the game. I'm hopeful that this rule is rescinded or it, it, it is only reserved for egregious, in-your-face, real taunting. Speaking of another new rule, well, this isn't necessarily a rule, but the NFL has revealed a new playoff format that will include Monday Night Football incorporated into the playoffs. Is it a good thing? I'll give you the details, and we'll chop that up with the crew as well. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. And are you tired of waiting around for hot water? Choose Navian. 
Get instant hot water for a spotlight comfort while you lower your bills. Save hundreds on a Navian tankless water heater with local rebates at tanklessmadesimple.com. Well, the NFL is full of rule changes. I wouldn't say this is a rule change, but what has happened is the NFL revealed this past week that a new playoff format will now feature Monday night football. It's not the first time. Matter of fact, the NFL's last Monday playoff game was December 26th, 1988, with the Minnesota Vikings beating the Los Angeles Rams. The Vikings played the following Sunday in a divisional round, losing to the eventual champion 49ers, so they had less time to prepare. But there also have actually been other Monday night playoff games, two in 1977, one in 1983. All four of those games happened to fall on the day after Christmas. Here's the question. Is this a disadvantage for the Monday winner? The first obvious takeaway for the new format it means at least one fewer day for the rest for the winner, one fewer day of rest and preparation for the winner who comes off the Monday night contest. Will that be a detriment for the team? Now, if the winner plays the following Sunday in the next round, the effect will be minimal. But what if the winning team is asked to turn around for a Saturday game in the division around? That could be a different situation. One league source said that the expectation is that the Monday wild card winner would likely play on Sunday. That would basically be the same length of time as if a Sunday wild card winner received a Saturday matchup in the divisional round. And that's been happening for years, basically without issue. So here we are now. The 2020 NFL season brought the first expansion to the playoff field in 30 years from 12 teams to 14. Now the 2021 season is growing from 16 regular games to 17. Now here's another innovation. Do you really call it an innovation? I don't know. The league just announced Friday that it's adding the Monday night game to the first round docket. That means Wild Card Weekend is now scheduled for January 15th through the 17th. Sorry for the fans. Gotta love it. Two games on Saturday, three on Sunday, and one on Monday night. Let's bring in the crew. All right. From a fan's perspective, I gotta believe it's a winner-winner chicken dinner. But Brian Finley, if your favorite team is playing Monday night, are you going to be upset if, for instance, someone's nicked up and they have one less day to heal or one less day to prepare, and you believe after that second game that would have been a factor? Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'll be infuriated, but there's nothing we can do about it at this point, right? There's so much money that goes into this, and from an economical standpoint, economic standpoint, I think that we can complain and, and, and blabber all we want, Bernie, but really – what are we going to gain from this? Because it's really out of our control. You can make faces at him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I told you what happened to me in third grade with Mrs. Birch, didn't I? Tell me. Well, I was making faces at Mrs. Birch one day, and she caught me. And she turned around and said, well, Mr. Frato, my mother told me when I was young, if I made faces like that, they would stick for the rest of my life. And I said, well, Mrs. Birch, you can't say you weren't warned. <laughs> anyway, uh, Chris Perfett, your thoughts on this uh, in terms of perhaps one less day to uh, prepare or lick your wounds? Yeah, I, I understand the concerns for it, but it's it's also that we have Saturday playoff games, too. And yep. during the season, you know you have to be ready for Monday night football. So my sympathy meter is a little bit down. 
I think you probably, I, I think just for the sake of things, it should stick to the weekends because that's how it's been. But I, I, uh, I don't see it as too much of a hindrance. I, I can understand that there's maybe one less day or whatever, but at the same time, like you have those circumstances during the year, you should be ready and prepared for that as well. You, you should be ready and prepared. I agree. And this isn't the first time this has happened in the past. And one of the examples they give, of course, is that that can essentially happen now if you happen to have a Sunday wild card game and then have to play a divisional round game the following Saturday. It's the same difference, although I guess maybe if you've got nighttime and travel and all that, but we may be, be splitting here. Yeah, here. The, the one thing I would not like to see if someone has to go from like Monday into a Saturday, that, that should be avoided by the scheduling. Right, and I, and I mentioned that uh, one of the league representative sources said that they will, they will be able to avoid that. Uh, Ricky Herrera, who, by the way, who's your favorite NFL team? Do you have one? Cowboys. Okay. Well, if the Cowboys make the playoffs and they have to play on Monday night and they win and then they have a short week and they don't win their next game, in the back of your mind, would you be wondering if that was a factor? I, I think so, inevitably. But, you know, strictly as a fan, I, I love football on weekday nights. So I think this is a great idea, and I, I hope they do it. But I can see the point of view. Of, well, it's done. They're doing it. Yeah. It's done. Great. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you have something else you want to say? I, I, I just think that it's better for the for the league and i'm glad they're doing it and as a fan i'm i'm not really concerned it's just one day and like chris said there's been saturday playoff games before so if they could just make sure that uh if you know if the cowboys won on a monday night that they wouldn't play until sunday i think it's all good and i don't want this to come out wrong but i gotta believe if the cowboys just make the damn playoffs you're gonna be happy right <laughs> they you, come back on a it, tuesday yeah. <laughs> well for what it's worth um, here's the, you know, as far as the networks, the NFL has not really finalized which broadcast partners will handle the games, when they'll handle the games, but CBS and NBC will each broadcast two games on opening weekend. Fox and ESPN and ABC will get one game apiece, but the Monday night broadcast network has yet to be determined. So clearly this is going to be another source of revenue. Uh, for the NFL, uh, I think it'll be great to be three nights of football, uh, just like we have now. You know, Thursday, Sunday, and and Monday, but not it'll be Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, right in the dead of January. You know, last season the opening weekend featured two days of triple headers on Saturday and Sunday. Do you guys remember that? I thought that was awesome. Everybody loved that. And uh, Brady and the Bucks, they were forced to go on the road in the opening round last season en route to their Super Bowl uh, victory. But they played at the Washington football team on the first Saturday, but then they actually got an extra day. They didn't have to play till the following Sunday in the divisional round. And as I mentioned, again, this isn't the first time uh, this has happened. The NFL actually played a Monday night football game most recently, December 26, 1988. The Minnesota Vikings beat the L.A. Rams. The Vikings went on to play the following Sunday. They had one last day in the divisional round. They lost to the eventual champion, San Francisco 49ers. I'm guessing with Montana and company, they were probably just just a better team. But the other, there the are three other Monday night games in the history of the NFL, what you would call the modern history. There were two in uh, 1977 and one in 1983. And all four of those games, again, they happened to fall on the day after Christmas. Interestingly enough, for some reason, the Rams 
always seem to draw that short straw. If you could, if you add up all the Monday night games and they're in the playoffs going back to 1955, the Rams have played four of them. Now, the teams that receive the Monday night playoff game will also be receiving, you know, they're, they're an extra rest. Again, let's factor this in too, guys. Let's say you finish the season and you find out your wild card game is on a Monday. You're going to be getting an extra day of rest. You don't have to play Saturday or Sunday, so you've actually got an extra day of rest for the uh, wild card game. So that's kind of an even sum, zero sum situation, right? So I think it'll be, it's not going to be bad for the NFL. It, it can only help the exposure. You add another night of playoff football, you know damn well we're all going to be watching. Speaking of watching, Chris Perfett with his weekly soccer update has sort of a similar situation with Monday Night Football, football being spelled F-U-T-B-O-L, and he'll clue us in on that coming up. But first, let's go to the man. Well, obviously, his name around the Fox Sports Radio compound is simple. We call him Swipe Right. It's Bruin Finley with the latest. Thank you, Bernie. It actually worked for me, and I've been happily dating, although my my name really is Clown around here, and th- there's no question about that. Number three, Oregon finishes off Arizona 41-19 to as we look back at some of the late games to finish up in college football from Saturday. Jordan McLeod for the Wildcats had five interceptions. Oregon State sticks it to USC 45-27 to as Beavers quarterback Chance Nolan had four touchdowns. And B.J. Baylor, the Oregon State running back, had 28 carries for 154 yards as he continues to mesmerize on the field. Number Number four, Oklahoma was able to strut off with a win against West Virginia, 16 to 13, thanks to a last-second field goal. 15th-ranked BYU stands up USF, 35 to 27. Cougars quarterback Baylor Romney had three touchdowns. KJ Jefferson for Arkansas had two touchdown tosses in number 16 Arkansas in their win over 7th-ranked Texas A&M, 20 to 10, as the Razorbacks are out to 4-0 on the season. Clemson not even close to 4-0. They, the number nine team, the Tigers, they lose for the second time this year. This time they go down to NC State 27-21 to in double overtime. While in Major League Baseball, the Cardinals punish the Cubs 8-5. to So St. Louis has won 15 straight. The Giants now sport a two-game lead for first in the NL West after they throttle the Rockies 7-2. to And just a couple mentions in the NFL as we get closer to the first wave of kickoffs here on a Sunday. You've got Rams, according to multiple outlets. Rams running back Daryl Henderson, unlikely to play against the Buccaneers. But, Bernie, as we had mentioned a couple times before, according to ESPN, Carson Wentz is slated to be in the starting position as QB1 for the Colts, despite spraining both of his ankles last week. So they will get to get him back into the mold and in the fold here and hopefully lead Indy to a win against the Titans. But that is certainly not going to be an easy task. No question about it. All right. Thanks so much, Brian. Want to hear a dad joke? Sure. There's a sale on uh, corn in Tampa. It's a Buccaneer. Oh, no. Who writes this stuff? Did you get that at the off the side of a popsicle stick, Bernie? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to some real content here because Chris Perfett does a great job 
with the, this is the most popular sport in the world. It's football, F-U-T-B-O-L. And the English Premier League, they take this stuff very serious over there. There's only, uh, the season just got going a month ago. And as you know, soccer is not a short season. It's a long season. It's a marathon. But out of the gate, everything, things are tight. And there's one team out of the gate that's a big surprise. And speaking of Monday Night Football, they'll be participating in a different kind of Monday Night Football. Chris Perfett is here with the details. That's right, Bernie. As as you said, we've got about uh, six games in the books for all of the all of the clubs in England, except for one here. Well, except for a few, we've got you know Sunday matches still to play. We have the Monday net match, but just to recap, we've got a massive pileup at the at the top of the standings, or as they would say for soccer, the table. Just if, in case you want to translate the parlance, but. And a lot of that happened because of what was happening on Saturday. Manchester City got a win over Chelsea. Uh, Manchester United fell to Aston Villa. Leicester had to draw. Brentford and Liverpool drew. So that means we've got this massive pile up at the top by a lot of teams separated by only a point or two. So right now, Liverpool's only up by a point. But then you've got a, a four-way tie next with Manchester City, Chelsea, United, Everton. And that brings us to number six on there, who play on Monday, Brighton and Hove Albion. It's a team not, not maybe maybe if you've been watching the Premier League for a while, you see them sometimes. They're one of those teams that have always kind of floated around for a few years in the middle of the table. They were promoted back in 2016, 2017 uh, to, to the Premier League after 34 years, not at the top flight. It's a it's a club that plays in the very south of England, right along the coast in Brighton and Hove, and they'll be playing their new <laughs> their new rival. They were trying to establish a rivalry with Crystal Palace. They call it the A23 rivalry after the A23 Road, kind of like how when Cincinnati and Detroit plays in baseball, they call it I75 or Sparky Anderson. If you really like your old history there. Um, but it's a it's a fascinating team. If they well, well, well Chris, yeah. remember when St. Louis played Kansas City in the World Series in '85? They called it the I seventy series. Yeah, there's seven, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's like it's like it with any kind of interstate series. It's always fun to do that. I always enjoy that, um, just because I enjoy highways. But this 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 is interesting for Brighton and Hove Albion because if they beat Crystal Palace, they'll get three points. They're at twelve right now. They'll pull a point ahead of Liverpool. And again. It doesn't mean much right now, especially since we're all kind of waiting for Boxing Day, which we'll talk about that in a later segment in a few months about what Boxing Day means to English soccer. But this is a big surprise. And we've had these little surprises in the Premier League for several years now. Obviously, the big one that kind of shook the entire world was about six or seven years ago when Leicester City won the whole Premier League which was unheard of for a team not one of the Blue Bloods. Remember that? Yeah, it was one of the biggest upsets. 5,000 to 1. The, no joke. Yeah, 5,000 to 1. You can't get odds for those on the Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl this year. You can't get those kind of long oh, shots. The, the, the books learned a lesson, Chris. No, they I, did. I, honest but, to God. Yep. But you have them, and you've had West Ham United, who has been floating around at the top of the standings for a few years now. For a team like Brighton and Hove Albion, who, and they have some very young, very exciting players, especially Neil Maupé from France, who I believe is only 25, but he's got three goals in six games already. It's, it's a young team. It's a lot of guys who are under 21 or even under 23 in some places across their entire system. 
that it's a team to keep an eye on, especially as this heats up. If they can keep pace with the Liverpools and the Manchester Cities and the Chelsea's, who might be bigger, more well-financed, but if they can keep pace, it's going to drive a lot of drama later in the year. And it might be a good good team if you're looking for an underdog to root for in England. Brighton and Hove Albion on the southern coast might be your guys. So you, I always learn something new. There's really a team called Crystal Palace? Yes. Holy cow. So, I mean, I I know a little bit about this stuff. I've heard of Southampton, and I've heard of Arsenal, and Tottenham, and Brentford, and Liverpool, and the Premier Leagues. I mean, Man United, right? The Chelsea. I never heard of them. I thought that you mentioned them. I thought there was some strip club in Toledo. Oh, <laughs> no. No, no Who Chris. Writes this stuff? It's, it's, it's Help named me, after- Brian. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. It, Crystal Palace, they are named after an exhibition building in London from, I believe, the 1800s. And I think it started as like a professional club that was birthed out of basically maintenance crews for, for, the, uh, for the place, if I'm not mistaken. So there's a lot of history to some of these teams. But yeah, no, there are very, there are very, Curious names, and there's a lot of history behind them for sure. Uh, the Premier League is the real deal. It's amazing, and uh, and, a, and next year I think I'm going to go to London, and and I'm going to take the drive to Manchester. Uh, I'm fascinated uh, by not only the history and the is sort of the the reverence that we have for these you know historically significant soccer clubs uh, going back a long way. But their impact on the sports world, their value, how serious uh, this sport is taken. And that, uh, and that match, Bernie, is, by the way, coming up. That'll be 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on, uh, on Monday. So you'll have plenty oh, of time okay. to watch this and then catch the other Monday Night Football for the NFL. There you go. There you go. So uh, if you, you it'll be, uh, did you say noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern? Yes, that's right. Okay, so coming up this Monday... Uh, and I, I would bet, Chris, uh, that it'll have a fairly significant TV audience worldwide, won't it? Uh, it? Probably not as much as some of the other bigger names out there. I know that um, Tottenham is playing on Sunday, and that's probably the Sunday game to watch. I believe they're playing. Oh, yeah, it's Tottenham Hotspur and Arsenal. I think Did they play be... at that new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that they play Monday Night Football at? Is that where they play? <laughs> no, I think that'll be Sunday afternoon-ish when they'll play there. That's your Sunday, we'll call it the Sunday night football game there. That's but an amazing I think, stadium. We yeah, a local, it's, it's a beautiful uh, stadium, and I can't wait to see the NFL play over reporter there. here for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Ed Graney, told me it's the most modern stadium. He'd been in that press box. I think the Raiders played there a couple years ago. The most modern stadium he's ever been in his life in that same line. All right, well, good stuff, Chris. We'll continue with this every week. Try to stay on the cutting edge of what's happening worldwide. And what is, in fact, whether people believe it or not, the world's most popular sport coming up for our final segment you know him you love him you can't live without him we take you back out to las vegas Mackinac sports with mckenzie rivers he'll have some data to get you ready for the nfl which is seven hours and 20 minutes away from kicking off week three i'm bernie fratto coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios keep it locked right here don't go away you're listening to fox sports radio fox sports sunday Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We are back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto. We are coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. And before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. 
Chris Perfett, Ricky Herrera, and, of course, Bruin Finley on the updates, holding us down from the Los Angeles compound, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together, keeping us on the air. Thanks so much. Could not do this show without your teamwork. All right. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him. We bring you back out to Las Vegas. Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers here to get you ready for the NFL Week 3, seven hours and 12 minutes away from kickoff. He's got a stat you want to note for tomorrow, and he's got a best bet. Mackenzie, you got the floor. Yes, so in eight hours, the one o'clock window is upon us. You already have your parlay cards. You already have your popcorn ready. But hey, maybe there's a 60% trend you might want to know about for the 10 a.m. Vegas time games. One o'clock for you cats out in the east. And that is the Jacksonville Jaguars may be the worst home team to bet on in the history of football. Since 2003, they are 58 up, 74 down, only 41% against the spread. And that fits right into a narrative that, Bernie, since you've given me this platform, this Mackinac Sports D segment I've been talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, but road teams. First time I came on you, I said road teams, bet road teams. Well, the last three years, road teams are 55%, some say 54.6, depending what database you're using, but 55%. The better's dream if you just bet NFL road teams, travel is getting easier, and just that, that's in against general, the spread, just to make, just to clarify. Yes, exactly, and they're, they're almost the spread, right? Very good point, because they're almost catching up straight up. But obviously, there's some home court advantage, so there is some 51, 52 percent. But if you're betting the number, if you're betting against the spread. 55% the last three years. That's why my best bet is the Jackson. I'm sorry. I'm fading the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is the Arizona Cardinals minus seven and a half? There's a lot of football reasons that I don't have time to get into. But if you just look at how good road teams are, especially NFC West teams, and how bad, historically bad, the Jacksonville Jaguars team, I don't think there's one negative trend against this, and that's 0-2 teams straight up have done really well recently. But I think if you look at larger sample size, like 500 games of football, road teams are 55%. I think that trumps the 0-2 spread, which is only like 100 games, 60% against the spread. So anyway, Arizona Cardinals, minus 7.5. And and let let me piggyback on that real quickly before we get to our second point. Remember two weeks ago, my best bet was Denver laying six and a half at Jacksonville, and they crushed them, covered easy. If you put Denver and Arizona on a neutral, McKenzie, what do you make that number? Arizona's exactly. got to be probably three or four on a neutral, right? Exactly. They're going to win by a score plus, you would expect. So four points, I think, is pretty, probably a pretty good number. And that's why I think – no, no, oh wait. No, I'm thinking I'm – but, but, thinking, but, uh, but think about what I'm saying that, here. Yeah. I think about what I'm saying. Ten points, maybe, yeah. Well, what I'm saying, though, is Arizona would most likely be a field goal favorite – over Denver on a neutral. Uh, yeah. Okay. You add those three points to this line here because Denver was six and a half two weeks ago. Handle it easy. You might be getting a bargain at seven. This feels like a double digit win. Arizona is for real. Add that to your stat 55% against the number of road teams because of the reasons we've been talking about on Straight Out of Vegas. The home field advantage just isn't what it used to be. Go ahead, McKenzie, with your second point. Let's go for another road team, the New York Jets. There is one specific team of uh, trend of 0-2 teams that I want to focus on. So, like I said, if you bet teams that are 0-2 straight up, you're slightly better than 50% against the spread historically. 
But if you just bet teams that are 10-point dogs, so teams that are completely thrown in the trash bin, Zach Wilson's no good, Jets have no offensive line, Salah doesn't know what he's doing, LaFleur can't coach offense, all the <laughs> negative trends, they're all coming down on one side, and on the other side you have the glorious 2-0 team coming home undefeated. I think all the narratives are pointing in one direction, and I think there's some value going the other way. If you just bet 0-2 teams that are catching 10-plus, you're 18 up, 11 down, better than 70%, 65% against the spread. Excellent, McKenzie. And I tell you, I've said it for years. You want to go broke? Lay double digits in the NFL. I can't do it. Uh, there's a great equal league process, and it's called the line, the, the, the spread. And I think if you give a, a National Football League team – by the way, one thing, McKenzie, Denver is going to be, I think, a huge survivor pick tomorrow. Do you agree? A hundred percent. I just did a podcast with our man, Dan Rivera. I'm on the Denver Broncos. I think they win. I think it's really a lot of value going the other way as far as the spread. I think the back door will stay open. Zach Wilson coming off a bad uh, – a bad game. Again, this is the National Football League. And the truth of the matter is there's more parity than people realize. The Jets are not a playoff team. Denver probably is. But it's built into the line. It's hard enough right. to win, and then you got to cover double digits. So I'll tell you what, real quick bonus play. I got on this play three days ago, and the total was 48-and-a-half. My best play tomorrow, the under in Indianapolis, Tennessee. I just checked, McKenzie. It's now down to 47 and a half. I don't recommend anybody chase that. Do you have any thoughts on that play, the under Indy, Tennessee, 48 and a half? Well, Carson Wentz may be playing, but he's going to be one and a half ankles short, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to be taking many risks going down the field very often. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, McKenzie. Uh, excellent data, excellent research. And uh, you will find Mackenzie Rivers, Mackinac Sports, in this slot. Well, two slots, 150 Pacific, 250 Pacific, 450 Eastern, 550 Eastern, every week during the NFL season and, and beyond. Uh, as we try to give you the data that McKenzie is the head research here uh, straight out of Vegas. And the long and the short of it is data matters. And we, a, a, ton of, a ton of data has been compiled over the last 30 years, which lead you to certain conclusions in the NFL. And sometimes you weigh that with fundamental factors. And that's what we try to do in these segments here is give you the best of both worlds, the data, the numbers backed by the science and the research to help you give you your best shot to defeat this thing called the NFL. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. I am Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Sunday continues. Andy Furman and Brian No, Keep it locked. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.